the top players and legends to the very best analysts around the world from wherever the beautiful game is played. This is BTP. Now, we're talking football. Yes, hello folks, welcome to the weekly Manchester United Show. I'm your host as always, Bob Brown. Join my regular co-host, my fantastic comic father. How are you doing, Paul? Not bad at all, Phil. Uh, after the weekend, I have to be honest with you, I was absolutely buzzing, uh, given mm. the, the circumstances early in the season with, with Tottenham and Mourinho, so absolutely delighted. You know, there's certain victories, there's certain three points that feels different than others. That was one of the most satisfying three points that I've experienced watching United in recent memory for so many different reasons. Um, obviously, because of the controversy of what happened in the first half with what happened with Son Young-Ming and you know the fact that it was an extremely harsh goal to disallow. Um, well, I'm sure we'll talk about VAR and all that, but um, and then, of course, going up the other end and scoring. And then United's response second half, which was exactly what you would want from a Manchester United team, which is consistent with what, if you go back to the great United teams, this is an identity that they had. They were never beaten. And they had that, if you're a fan, I, I remember feeling this way about Liverpool and City at times, where even when they were behind in games, you just had this feeling you knew they were like, they're going to come back and win it. They'll score, but about 20 minutes to go, it'll be an onslaught, they'll get another one, they'll win it. And you are starting to have that serious sense of inevitability that they're going to come back and win. Uh, because when you look at their track record of coming from behind, it is truly unbelievable. It is. And, and for me, um, I saw the, the stat that you, or the, the article you put up saying that if United were judged on first halves alone, that they would be nowhere near it. And it just it made me chuckle because... The whole point of football is that it's played in 90-minute games, obviously two 45-minute halves, and, and when people write this stuff, it just it just makes me chuckle. Um, but I was really, really impressed with how the how the players responded because when you look at the, the Son incident, it was, it was laughable. I mean, you're a big boxing fan, Phil. Mm-hmm. God forbid Son Young-Min's ever in the same room as mm-hmm. Cal Frampton or one of these <laughs> fighters. All they'd have to do is smile at him, no matter what the deck. Um but no, I think I think the, the the goal from Cavani that was chalked off was an excellent goal. It was very well taken. Pogba was exceptional in it. I think as much as people might might get annoyed when I say this, I think it is a bit inevitable when you have such a disappointment within a game for the heads to drop for for five or so minutes because mm-hmm. it, we're all human and, and that anger is there. And sometimes when you're feeling really frustrated and angry. You, you maybe don't harness it in the best way on the pitch and I think United were able to harness that frustration uh, longer term in the game obviously in the second half very well but oh, it was it was a, <laughs> still laughing at Son now um, going down like that but I thought the real positive for me with United and, and you've talked about the sense of inevitability it was a sense of control for, for, for large parts of the game I never really felt that Tottenham were going to take a hold of that game and that they were going to have a period of 10 or 15 minutes where they would destroy United as such. I didn't really have that sense. I thought that the midfield controlled the game well. There was obviously a fair few yellow cards in the game which shows there was there was a little bit of needle after obviously the incidents and that's to be that's to be understood I suppose but as I say for me United don't know when they're beaten and I think that's that's very important we've seen it so many times mm-hmm. this season 
and particularly towards the end of a season. We've talked about Klopp's Liverpool and even when he was at Dortmund, sometimes you have really good teams that start a season well and then drop off a cliff. Well, this United team, touch wood, don't look as if they're not going to be like that and that they're going to be in with a shout to, to obviously clinch the second place within 10 points of City and then, crucially, hopefully win a trophy as well. Well, Cam, I, was saying, I said at the start of the season, what would represent progress for United? And I said this, and I'm not sure I truly believed it would happen, but I said if United could finish within single digits of the winners, right? Finish second within single digits touching distance of the of the of the teams at the top, I think that would be an unbelievable achievement. And people don't understand when I see the criticism of Solskjaer and how it's evolved, it was once about results. Now it's no longer about results, it's about yeah, I know you're winning but you're not winning and good enough. <clears throat> which is something I would have settled for um any time over the last seven years, let me tell you. <clears throat> but um it's, I just don't really understand this the refusal, steadfast refusal to acknowledge that Solskjaer is doing a good job. And I, I, I look at Solskjaer, Callum, and I think people are still talking about him and his time at Cardiff. I think Solskjaer's a better manager today than what he was when he got the United job. I think he's a better manager than what he was last year. Of course he's a better manager, you learn. To some people, Fergie would have been nothing more than a Saxon Murray manager. So what? You know, I have no problems with people who fail in life and learn. That's what life's about. You know, and, and by the way, I have the same issue with those who say, ah, three years ago, you once believed something different. Well, yes. Don't criticize human beings for changing their mind. That's exactly what human beings should do. Criticize them for refusing to change their mind. Right? Twitter will make a fool out of all of us. Any opinion, I'm wrong a million times a day. So... I don't delete my old tweets that show me to be an idiot because I acknowledge you know, my own uh, you know, my own humility and say, look, of course I'm wrong, I'm wrong a million times a day, so we're used to as everybody. Just accept it, right? But so so I know a lot of people are going after Jack Pitbrook. What I would go after Jack Pitbrook for, and a lot of the other journalists as well, really isn't being wrong about his conclusions and evaluations of Solskjaer. It's the snobbery with which they were accrued with because the football snobbery that's been, you know, it's been directed towards Solskjaer, but we saw, you know, lots of other managers getting, you know, certainly a lot more, a lot more tolerance for failure than Solskjaer and, and, it's, their success was explained by their greatness. Solskjaer's success was explained <clears throat> by his fortune, and it was all just a bit of luck of all come together, which you know is utterly ridiculous. But take a look at this Solskjaer. This is this Solskjaer has Mourinho on strings, Callum. Right? <laughs> Had I mean, there was a seminal moment when I saw Mourinho talking about Solskjaer and feeding his kids and taking it serious, and I'm like, how has it come to this? A guy who was a serial winner and one of the best main game experts in the Premier League that had people eating out of his hand, blown up, exploding, had English press eating out of his hand. Right? I mean, I remember the bird flu Mourinho. I remember the Mourinho that the media just adored. And here we are, a guy that, sorry to, just to finish up this rant, it felt like you were looking at a past version of yourself that was mired in darkness. I looked at Mourinho's, Mourinho's Spurs and went, that's what I don't miss. I don't miss that negativity. I don't miss that darkness after games. I don't miss the 
blaming everybody else. You know, different players, different coach, different players, team coach. You know, all this nonsense. It's never his fault. Never his fault. Right. And so I, I just I, I look at that and I go, how on earth can anyone miss that? No, I, I totally agree with that. I think for me, um, the progress that Manchester United have made was showcased in that game. And, and obviously, you don't judge something on a single game, but. You, you, you meant it's, it's hard not to when, when you see what you had before in Mourinho. It was negative, as I said earlier in my answer. I didn't see Spurs dominate or destroy United for a 15-20 minute period. I never sensed that that onslaught was coming, if I'm honest. Um, and I think there, there was a particularly interesting piece of journalism over here by Daniel Story, who I'm a big fan of. And, mm-hmm. and Daniel Story wrote a piece in 2018 criticising Mourinho for being too defensive, for looking as if he was getting to the end of his his tether at Manchester United. <laughs> he, re, he republished that piece, uh, but it was quite cleverly done where it looked like a fresh criticism of Mourinho, and then he revealed in the second part, look, I wrote this three years ago and it's still the same now, and I think that for me showcases the beauty of Solskjaer. What you were saying about him two years ago isn't the same as what well, it shouldn't be, in my opinion. What you're saying about him now, I can understand the initial scepticism when he got the job permanently, I can, um, a lot of people, as you mentioned, Phil referenced the Cardiff City job, and and at the time when he got the job permanently after that good run, okay, you, you can take that on board and say, well, he's never really had a, a full season in the Premier League. He's got a spark, but it started to to, to dim. You, you cannot deny the progress of last season and this season. He finished third last season, and I'll be brutally honest and say, as optimistic as I, I like to be with United, as we both like to be in this show, and, and, and you like to try and find the positivity wherever you can, I didn't foresee United improving on third this season, if I'm being brutally honest, and I certainly didn't see them potentially finishing within 10 points of of the winners because of where they were, and we'd heard the narrative, as you mentioned earlier, of Liverpool or this, and City or this, and Chelsea will be the next one coming with Frank and all his money. Uh, I think he's done an exceptional job given the circumstances. Crucially, and we've we've said this in the show. I mean, people say, "Oh, maybe say, oh, you're a soul scare apologist." Not at all. I mean, on this show, numerous times we've said a really great job so far, but we need to see trophies and we need to see real progression in terms of the trophy cabinet over the next few years. So, as far as I'm concerned, it's been a really good job so far. He can hopefully end the season on a high by winning a trophy and finishing second within 10 points of City and really saying to the board and saying to the fans, look, we're getting closer, let's go for it. And and that was summed up by Roy Keane over here in the UK. You've probably seen the comments about Harry Kane. Harry mm-hmm. Kane, of course, linked with leaving Tottenham. And Mickey Richards was trying to, to sort of put Keane into the narrative of why would he want to join United? They're a work in progress. And and Keane very just smiled and said, uh, United with a Harry Kane type player up front, I don't really think it will be a work in progress. I think that progress will be covered in Hitton City in a league title race this time next year. So for me, I think Solskjaer is a couple of players away. But how long has it been since we could say United were only a couple of players away from seriously challenging? Used to be a couple of players away from fourth, a couple of players mm-hmm. away from trying to challenge. Now, you're, now in my opinion, I think you're a couple of players away from seriously challenging for the big trophies again, genuinely. Well, you know they can't make the same mistake they finished. They did the last time when they finished second and didn't build on that. They have to build on that this summer. The question is, is the money there to build on that this summer? We'll get to that in a minute, Callum. Because um, uh, I want to talk about this and come on and some stuff that I have since discovered um, what it means for United going forward. Um, so, also want to talk about 
progress. For the first time in a long time, this United team is starting to earn my trust. When I go back to other times when United were in patchy form and they were playing well, I still was never 100% convinced by it where I felt like going into a game, I'm now starting to expect wins. I'm not expecting routine wins. There's never been anything routine about United since Ferguson left. You know, there's never been any type of consistency like we're seeing now since Ferguson left where you're winning back-to-back -back games, where you're winning consistent games, where you're winning games over and over again. And yes, I know United are a bit flat, but for the love of God, how can you not realise that footballers have been playing non-stop for essentially a year, twice a week, and United are no different than that? Of course you're going to be a bit flat in April, right? Perfectly understandable, being a bit flat really since the derby. But in all honesty, if we're winning a bit flat and we're still flat and we're still finding a way to win games, I'll take that right now. Because I've watched flat football and I'm getting results, right? I mean, I go back. I, I look at this United team today. Would this United team do what they did against Basixi here and now? I don't think so. I don't think this match United team would, would repeat what happened to Basixi here. Would repeat what happened in Leipzig. It would repeat what happened against Sheffield United. This is what I'm talking about, about the progress. And this is what I really get frustrated about with the all out people who don't ex accept progress. They expect quantum leaps you go from being shit to being brazil 1970 and there's no in between and i will not tolerate the in between anything in between the progress and the time that it takes to get there renders you uh inept if you don't do it overnight and immediately these are people who just have no understanding of how these things happen the only teams that don't look out in their feet to me maybe man city well man city are not analogous to the rest of football they're a football club that has infinite resources to do whatever the hell they want. The squad is deeper than anybody else's. Right? Take a look at Liverpool. If anyone watches other football teams, they're going to know a couple of things. First of all, nobody plays exceptional football every week. Nobody does. Right? United are the second highest goal scorers in the league, but it's not entertaining. Come on. And by the way, they were top goal scorers in the league up until a few weeks ago. I don't want to hear this. They've lost the same number of games as City. They're not entertaining. What planet are you living on? I assume that a lot of this is done by younger people who have no recollection of what Solskjaer meant at club. But I wasn't old enough to see George Best play or Dennis Law play. But I knew how much they were legend and relevance they were to the football club. I have tremendous memories of Solskjaer. Of course I want to see him being successful more than anyone else. right? But ultimately, I don't care who the manager is. I just care that you need to play a certain way and they win. So... Um, and if Solskjaer can't deliver on that, then I would my 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 my, my views on him would, would would alter. But um, this I I could I, I am delighted with what he's doing, Callum. Absolutely, and 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 the the problem with that sort of opinion of Ollie in or Ollie out, you, you cannot look. And this is just a mini rant from me, just in football and society. You cannot look at things in a binary way all the time. Yes or no, leave or remain. There has to be a sense of. A sense of understanding of a process. I mean, I think a lot of people look at football, and and I suppose Pep Guardiola and his first Pep Guardiola has been incredibly successful at Man City. The first season was pretty grim at times to watch. They were getting they get hammered at Leicester. They he brought he had he goes out in the summer and brings in four new fullbacks. I mean that that to me just shows you that you can't make that quantum leap overnight. He needed a year to embed himself in English football before he then pinpointed the weaknesses and was able to build the side that he wanted to. And and again, there is that snobbery as well, as you've said, where 
people, for whatever reason, will try and put Ollie down by talking about the fact where he's coached before. Where he's coached before, mm-hmm. at this moment in time now, April 2021, is meaningless. It doesn't matter. What matters is where he's taken United from and to where they are now. He's definitely a better manager than he, than he was five years ago, six years ago, whenever he was at Cardiff. And I agree with you as well. He's a better manager than when he started because when you initially come into a job, any job, and people are doing really well for you as he had in his caretaker spell, it is natural. It is natural to maybe put a bit too much trust in those people because they've served you really well when you needed it and you maybe hold on to them a wee bit longer than you should. Since then, he's shown ruthlessness. The Lukaku situation doesn't fit the way I want to play. He's going. Even he said with Lingard today, we could easily have been selfish and kept him at the club as a squad option. We easily could have, but we decided not to because he wasn't going to dislodge Bruno and it works for all parties that he goes, plays games, could go to the Euros and he comes back here and we see where we take it. Obviously, I believe that's a negotiating tactic rather mm-hmm. than what he'll see happening. But I just I just look at it and and, and, and the progress is there for all to see. The, the key is to, for me win a trophy and then have something in the trophy cabinet to back that up because for some people in the media for elements of the media for elements of so-called Manchester United fans particularly some of the people you see on Twitter I just I just feel that they, you look at them sometimes and you think are you just going out your way to go against the grain I, I, maybe it's just me that thinks that but I just think are you seriously is that your opinion or are you just trying to go the complete opposite to what everyone else is saying to try and cause a reaction. And I think for these people, it'll never be good enough in, in, until there is a, a piece of major silverware, you could say, in the cabinet. But at the end of the day, football is a, pro- a process. Mm-hmm. You need to progress to get there. You can't flick form on and off. And you're right, that the point you made earlier, which is vital, every single squad has been impacted. If you looked at Liverpool of last season and you said to me at the start of this year, They'll struggle to finish top four. I would have laughed. I would have said, "Not a chance." Calm, they looked out in their feet by November. They, you know that that that, that, just, that shows you that even a squad that was heralded as the greatest, so-called greatest Premier League side ever, they looked short by Christmas. Whereas United have come through sticky patches, the Sheffield United period in particular towards February, March, and they've now entered the end of this season. Oh yes, okay, a bit flat, but still getting results. You see City at the weekend losing to Leeds United. These results can happen. United are there or thereabouts. They're still in a major competition, which they could win. I would take that every day of the week if you'd offered me it at the start of the season. You also take a look at United's points total count and the games they've lost. Um, I'd love to, I haven't done this research, but I'd love to compare that to uh, Europe's other top leagues and to see where that would leave United. I guarantee they've been a title race in almost every other top European league. He's got the best away record of any manager in, 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 in Europe's top five leagues. It's, it, the away record is just truly sensational. right? It's truly unbelievable. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> I, I think about my time as a United fan. It hasn't all been glory. It hasn't all been success. The, 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 you know, I was supporting it from early 80s. And there was some painful times before the good times came. And I remember them well. It, 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 for me, I don't understand how you can only enjoy watching Manchester United unless it's like Brazil every week. Because I've, I've got people on my timeline saying it was only Spurs, it's only 45 minutes, What it was crap. Yeah, I know. No, it's, the football's not perfect. 
They're human beings. And, you know, United came back to the UK on Friday night from, from being away in Granada. Friday or Saturday, I can't remember. They had one day, one training session, then a game. Right? Spurs were off all week. If you needed to go against a Spurs team that were off all week, have one day preparation for it and go and do that, is unbelievable. And then for people to complain that it wasn't exciting enough, do you know anything? I mean, is that is it a, is that an attempt to be that ignorant? Now, this is not a criticism of those who don't like Ollie. I'm not saying there's only one acceptable point of view. Okay, I, I, I have lots of people that disagree with me on this, and that's perfectly fine, as long as it's done respectfully. But what I don't understand is the criticisms that are leveled at Solskjaer for the reasons that he's not acceptable as much as Nedermann. Do you really believe that the only thing separating United and City right now is it is a monitor? I mean, the fact, in my opinion, the fact that Solskjaer has United that close, I think is an unbelievable job. And like you said in the opening of this show, when was the last time you felt that United were this close to elite title winner? Right? Where you felt like, you know what? We're just one or two away. Every season we were talking about four, five, six, seven players rebuild that need to be done because it's so many positions that need strength. And I believe United are far nowhere near the finished article. I, I do believe they need something, an alternative at right back. I do believe that Wambasaka's weaknesses are definitely a concern for United and impact their game. I believe there's other weaknesses in that team that they need to strengthen. I accept that. We'll talk about that. But we'll talk about his comments on Lingard for a second, Count, because really, really interesting. And I, and I thought that, um, once again, Ollie showed <clears throat> how great he is in, do, in handling the media. There's another thing he's improved on, by, by the way, quite a bit. Um, and he's quite, quite funny. And uh, I, I'd have to say, very honest, even, even in a game that you need to win, he, he's not effusive. He also talks about the things that need to be done. I, I, I personally, I think he's he's doing unbelievable. Um, but anyway, so um, what was I saying? I was saying that um, after the game, what, what was I talking about, Darren? Totally lost my train of thought there. Only in the the press and the Lingard comments. Oh, oh yeah, his Lingard comment doesn't matter. Oh, so this is what happens when you all them here, right? Spend half a day looking for something in your hand. Um, so <clears throat> he says he talks about Lingard and he talks about. We, there's a couple of clues in there that tell you why you need to can't keep him and why Lingard can't even entertain the idea of coming back. And one of them being, couldn't get him on the team because of Bruno. That's all that needs to be said. And that's all you need to hear. And Lingard, that's all Lingard needs to hear. Why on earth would Jesse Lingard, given the form that he's in, come back to United to beat Bruno Fernandes' you know, backup option? Not, that's not going to happen. And United are not going to want that to happen. United are not going to want an asset that they could conceivably sell right now for 40 million, right? That's a good price. Jesse Lingard going for 40 million was unthinkable two, three months ago, right? Most fans that are happy, happily sold him last summer for 15 and felt that was a good good price. So the fact that his contract has decreased but his value's gone up <laughs> is, is, not, is not a bad outcome United. So here's a guy you know, could easily sell for 30, 40 million because if West Ham won't pay somebody well, Right, he's 28, English in his prime. Players they got with those type of stats abroad. I mean, take a look at the stats; are unbelievable. And um, you'd be paying a fortune for. So, United. I think what Solskjaer's telling you is there's no way back for Jesse Lingard at Man United. United will sell him this summer, hopefully. I think I think that's the the common sense approach, and and I think it's important that what he said in relation to Bruno and not being able to dislodge him. That's important for Lingard to hear. 
but also from a negotiation point of view, it's important that Solskjaer, he says, he'll go to the Euros, then he'll come back here. It's also important to say that publicly and say it with a straight face because it's important for potential suitors to realise that they have to pay the money to get him out of United. Solskjaer and United can't treat Lingard as, yeah, he's doing well at West Ham and we'll get shot straight away. They need to play the long game, as you do with any good transfer, to ensure they get the value that they want. And they will, because as you've said, if David Moyes and West Ham won't pay the £35-40 million, somebody else will. I noticed there's links to Inter Milan, which would be interesting, obviously his agent and the fact that Ashley Young and others have went there from United in the past. There, there clearly seems to be an appetite to do business between between both clubs. So I, I think he, if he doesn't have options in the Premier League, he'll have options abroad and there's no doubt about it. He is a player who is in demand and will leave and that's the perfect storm for United, given his contract length and given the fact that he's, he's a great kid, he's a, he's, a, he's a good player. I wouldn't say he's a great player, he's a good player. But United need to move on. And luckily for United, for the first time in many years, we talked about this a few weeks ago as well, United can finally sell a player for probably more than he's worth, which is something that Liverpool and others have been able to do for years. And I mean, it's not just Lingard. You're never going to have this issue with a number of players. And it's going to be really interesting to see how that gets handled. It's obviously going to have a major impact on how Solskjaer recruits. The other thing that's going to have a major impact on how Solskjaer recruits is the Cavani situation. Now, Latin United fans are ecstatic with his performance at the weekend and um, rightfully so but I, I put something out at the weekend and I got a response back to it that was extremely interesting and I want to give credit where it's due because I think that's really really important um, <clears throat> I put out a tweet saying that I felt that it was great to see Cavani play the way he was the leadership he was showing I think it was great for young players to see the professionalism it takes for a player at that level to get to the very top and then there was a guy called at zip underscore, his name's Mark, said nonsense. And someone asked him to elaborate on why. And he said Cavani's been refusing to play games. You know. Now, I looked at that and I have been suspicious about the Cavani situation because I'm sitting there and I'm going, you don't have an option in his contract, we've talked about this before, where they can exercise it for another year, keep him. But if you speak to people that would be aware, that would that would, that would know the about the situation, the message that always comes back is both sides have to agree. Both sides have to agree on what? Because if there's a disagreement, you would imagine that's on Cavani's and that United, right? I mean, what could United possibly be disagreeing with? Now, what I've since discovered, and I know this is a hundred percent accurate. Um, it wasn't denied, I'll put it like that, <clears throat> and is that Cavani has been refusing to play games, and um, I mean, basically, um, I believe this to be a hundred percent true. Let me say because I, I'm a hundred percent. I trust the source a hundred percent. So what I was told was he's been refusing to, to play games that the United physios, doctors have been declaring him fit for, right? And he has said he's not fit. Now, that's not to say he's wrong. It's not to accuse him of anything. He knows his body better than anyone else. And certain things like pain are entirely subjective that don't show up on any scanning or on anything else. So I've been informed by an exceptional source that I trust 100% that that's the case. Um, 
So that would be extremely disappointing and extremely concerning because even if he stays for another year, United need a striker that can be available for the vast majority of games to play week in, week out. And they need a world-class striker. You need someone... Give, United don't play like City. They can't play with a false nine. They need a player that's going to score, going to hit double figures. It, well, double figures. 20 plus. Right? That, that, that requires a lot of money. United don't have the money for a top striker and a top centre-back. They're going to have to adjust that focus somewhere else. I sincerely hope... Uh, 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 Cavani has always been world-class striker, a consummate professional. So, I don't think he has a right to be believed, Callum, if he's saying he's not fit. Um, but, um, you know, that's that's what I've been told and I trust that source 100%. You're, you're right in terms of that information. If if, if if he is saying that he's he's not able to play when he's deemed fit, you, you would have to be concerned with that. Um because, as you've said, United play a certain way. They need an out-and-out striker. And if he does stay next season, he needs to stay next season and, and be able to, to to be available. Because at the end of the day, um, Martial, we've talked about a lot of, uh, many times in this show, isn't your man over the course of a season. Uh, I don't see that suddenly changing uh, overnight for next season. So it's a situation that needs to be addressed. With Cavani, um, the, the Tottenham game's the sort of game that uh, again, I, I don't know him personally. I don't know his agent or anything. So I'm just speaking as I, I, as a fan here with an opinion. But the Tottenham game, I imagine, is the sort of game that you do want to play in, uh, particularly if you were going to move on this summer because it keeps you relevant, puts you in that window, etc. But but the thing that that strikes me, and and again, I mentioned Solskjaer earlier on playing the playing the game well with um, with Lingard. He's, he's he's very public on the fact that. We want him to stay. He knows how much I rate him. He knows what I think of him, um, etc. So, part of you, uh, part of me, anyway, when when Ollie's saying that and with the information you've disclosed this evening, it just is—is is that Ollie trying to put a wee bit of onus back on him to say, "Look, you, we know how good you are. We really want you to stay here. We rate you very highly. Come on, stay here and give us that wee bit more because if you do, then we can achieve greater greater things." It's very possible. I mean, one thing you have to say with Schultzger is he's handled these situations impeccably. When you look at the whole Pogba situation, you would have to say he's handled the situation impeccably. And how important has Pogba's form been to United's current uh, uh, position in the league? I mean, the Pogba that we've seen since December, really, has been the player United fans have always wanted to see. I mean, I thought he was absolutely immense against Spurs at the weekend. And do you get that Pogba if... Solskjaer throws the head up when Miona, when, when Riola is out there criticising the football club, criticising everything else, and says to Pogba, you know what, you'll never play for this football club again, the way someone like me would have handled it, right? Totally emotionally. Instead, Solskjaer, I felt, even at the time, when the whole Pogba situation, not only could he not play Pogba, you had to strip him of club captaincy. I mean, how could you play him whenever... You know, you've got other players that were asking, you know, that, that were demanding to play, that, and looking at Pogba and going, this guy... You know, spab mouth in the football club and getting to play. What sort of message does that send? But it shows how how little I know about football, um, and how little I know about managing dressing rooms. Because again, Solskjaer handled that totally different. And now we see this Paul Pogba, and now we see a Paul Pogba in the best form of his life in a similar situation to Harry Kane. In that, son, in order for us to sell you this summer, we have to have willing buyers, and there's not a many, not a lot of clubs right now with money to spend. 
So Juventus is really the only realistic outcome for Paul Pogba if they come up with the money. But if what if they don't? Where does that leave Pogba? Does Pogba sit there and say, "All right, um, I, I I'll stay for another year, right, and then leave on a free"? You're 29. It's not the same move, you know. Or you know, do I extend my contract because this is finally the football club resembling the football club that I signed for? You know, we're moving forward, look like they're going to win trophies. Um, this is partly why the Europa League is important for United this summer when they go to the market to convince players this is a serious football club on the rebound, we're trying to win trophies, um, come, and, come and play here. Um, so I think he's handled the situation perfectly. If Cavani leaves this summer, don't be surprised if you need to throw their hat in the ring for Sergio Aguero. I think that would be particularly interesting. You've described it in the show in recent weeks as Dennis Law in reverse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it certainly would be that. Um, just on Pogba, I think I agree. I think he's been he's been exceptional. When, when, when the comments came out at the start of this year, I, I, like you and many other United fans and observers, were really concerned that it would impact on his performances and there would be a dip and there would be this sort of drama in the background. But... Not at all. Full credit to him. He's been exceptional when when he's been in the team. I thought he was fantastic against Tottenham at the weekend. And the one thing that I love about Paul Pogba, and this is a generalisation point, so uh, please bear with me. With tall, tall physical players like Paul Pogba, a lot of the time get a lot of criticism and the say though they're not nifty with their feet. Well, he is absolutely sensational. That goal that was chalked off for Cavani, his control, his poise. His weight of pass was absolutely sublime, and and even in the even in the second half, I thought all of that was was superb as well. But again, the one thing that's really impressing me with Pogba at this moment in time is that work rate, is that presence, is that desire. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that he didn't have those before, because at the end of the day, there's many components um, to a successful footballer. You never know how someone's uh, headspace, etc. Is but since he's came back. Every aspect of his game has looked like a marked improvement. On the ball, we've always known that he's a fantastic footballer on the ball. The one criticism that's been levelled at him from the likes of Scholes and Keane on TV over here in the UK has been a really good player, but he likes to take his time in the ball and likes to sort of play to his own pace. Well, I feel that um, since Fernandes has come into United, and particularly since the, the start of 2021, I feel that there's a real purpose to Paul Pogba's game. He's he's playing uh, in unison with Fernandes and others, Cavani, of course, who's got a great partnership with him. It's great to see. I just hope, and I said this after the game at the weekend, I just hope United can keep Pogba, they can keep Cavani going into next season, and they can get some reinforcements and some other pieces of quality if they possibly can this summer to really challenge because to lose one of them would be a massive blow but to lose both it doesn't even bear thinking about Well one of the things that was frustrating Callum, we needed must learn from last season is one the delays with which they uh, went about their business right? two they didn't capitalise on the momentum of the finish last season so that you could argue cost United the title because if you look at the start of the season, that's where the problems lie, right? So hopefully the football club look at last season and go, okay, we cannot start like that next season. We have to make sure Solskjaer has his players in place, Solskjaer has everything he needs in place to start the season well. Every opportunity because every three points counts. And when you look back in the course of the season, Callum, I know we can point that to every needed result and others, right, which were extremely costly and rightly so. 
right? The Palace game and all that there, right? But give Solskjaer every opportunity to be successful. Give him a squad, right? Or at, the, the, at least the, the, the vast majority of his squad. Know exactly where he is. He needs to know exactly where he's at by preseason. Or at least the last year, three out of four done or whatever, right? Because it's not, if you look at last season, Callum, and the players at United signed, how many of United signings really helped Solskjaer in the beginning, right? I mean, Van der Beek came on against Palace and scored, right? But wasn't really a, fe- a factor. Tellez, you know, he's been responsible, you could say, for partly for Luke Shaw's form, he's accept. But other than that, None of those signings were really uh, in in the first team, given Shaw other options. Or, or sorry, Solskjaer other options. You know, uh, Ahmad didn't come for another six months. You know, Palestri wasn't a serious option. So the recruitment that summer never really solved any of Solskjaer's problems. That can't happen this summer. This recruitment needs to be quick. It needs to be precise. It, and, and Solskjaer needs to be able to adapt accordingly to what he has. And give him what he needs so that we can be successful next season. Um, and as well as getting the vast majority of players out that you need to get out. So hopefully United go about that a lot better. The other thing that they'd be, be concerned about, Callum, this Marcus Rashford. Right? Marcus Rashford needs a rest. If I think back the last few seasons, Marcus Rashford's been playing with injuries for most of them. He had that horrible back injury. He had that ankle injury. right? If you remember... I want to see, I would love to see a Rashford get this summer off, right? Come back fully rested, fully fit. Can you imagine a Marcus Rashford not carrying injuries? I mean, the guy's playing three injuries every week, doesn't get enough credit, is appreciated far more abroad than he is domestically. I can't understand how United fans could look at Marcus Rashford and not see such a magnificent talent. I accept that he's not perfect, I accept that he misses opportunities, I accept he's not the complete player. But if Marcus Rashford played for someone else, United fans, well, not. All of them, a lot of them would, would recognize his talent, but, some, but a lot of them that don't appreciate him, I am convinced would appreciate him. I, I, I love the guy, and personally, I want to see him get a, get a rest and come back 100% fit. He's an exceptional footballer, and you're right. Um, he, he's definitely sacrificed um, himself many a time for the good of the team um, by playing through these injuries at times when the squad has been really bare and there hasn't been an obvious option. I agree with you, it would be great for him to get the, the summer off and, and I noticed this is something you actually said a couple of weeks ago on Twitter so I need to give you the credit where it's due. The fact the Euros are on in this year of all mm-hmm. years just seems nuts to me. Um, never mind the logistics of playing them across different countries and the extra travel that that's going to bring but I just I just think for these footballers, um, I know they get paid very well but that, that, that your physical health isn't isn't um, benefited by earning money. It's great for you. It's, it can be great for you mentally, but it doesn't always guarantee that either. And I think sometimes people forget just because someone's earning a hundred thousand pounds a week doesn't mean that their body can take playing fourteen months consecutive football at the elite level, uh, game in game out. I mean, if Rashford and I expect him to go to the Euros and he plays every game and England get to a quarter or a semi or whatever, that's a lot of football to have been played in, in 12 to 14 months, then come back after, what, two weeks off to then come and do it all over again. My worry for him is that it will come to a sort of boiling point for his body where he will be given, a, and he'll get an injury where there's no opportunity to, to play through it and he is going to be out for 
maybe six to 12 weeks in. I hope it doesn't come to that. I, I would love nothing more than for there to be a way that he could get some rest. And something that I proposed, I've said before recently, was I think if United can seal second place in the league, I would be resting him for the league games when United have sealed that second place. Maybe that's controversial, I don't know. I'd be keeping him for those Europa League games, but mm -hmm. I think he's someone who needs to be rested when he has that opportunity because he's just, he, to be fair to him, he's everything you want from a Manchester United player on and off the pitch. He gives it his all every single week. He's, he, he's selfless, he puts himself first, he sort of puts the team first before himself. And, and as, as I say, I think it's important that he's managed well between now and the end of the season. I'm mad for me. I would love to see him be given some opportunities to maybe take that burden off of Marcus if possible. Mm -hmm. But again, even with a mad coming in at this moment in time in his career, I'm sure he'll go on to have a really good career. But he's not Marcus Rashford at this age, and, and he is a phenomenal player. Well, I know United fans want to see him. By the way, I didn't feel the game at the weekend was the right game to play him in. If you looked at Granada and you looked at Spurs, I think one of the things that was consistent about both those games, both those teams felt that if you rough United up, that you will disrupt them, disrupt the rhythm. That's actually a massive compliment, United, because when you when you get teams that are saying we can't match these these team this team technically, we can't match this team um, for quality. Let's make this game ugly. Right? That's a massive compliment, United. These things weren't happening before, right? Even if you heard Mourinho's comments about United after the game being a quality team with the physicality and midfield, everything else, right? Um, but these things don't happen by accident. I mean, Mourinho's saying quality plays, you know, but it just never worked. You take a look at what Solskjaer has done, right? I mean, it's just, it, it infuriates me when I hear people who know nothing about football say that there's no, there's no shape, there's no tactics, there's, it's just about individuals not there. I mean, do you think that, that what, what, what you see, do you think you go out and beat a team like Spurs um, without any tactics or shape? Do you think that you just go out and throw 11 players together and say, go play football, this happens? I mean, it's just, it, it's ridiculous what you see on the pitch as a result of the preparation off the pitch, as a result of everything, every department that you needed functioning to the highest level. And so I, any, once something happens once, right, that can be written off. But anything that consistently happens twice, three, four, five times, that's a result of quality things that you're doing off the pitch. Success is not an accident. Failure is not an accident. Um, anomalies you can you, you can you can you can write away. But what's happening at United is a result of exceptional training preparation uh, and, and, and I think coaching because for my money if Solskjaer goes on and wins the league Callum goes on and wins trophies you can't say he bought it yes he got money to spend but he didn't spend you know anywhere close to what City will spend and you know not even he doesn't have those resources and even though people say well City only spent this but yes but they have the ability to spend whatever they want on any position that they want whenever they want so Pep, Pep Guardiola identifies a weakness in the team he can go to his board and say, get me an £80 million right back or whatever, right? This is because his, his, what he's picking from is the best in the world. Pick the best in the world, we'll go get them, right? Whereas other managers are picking based on budget. So for Pep Guardiola, if he's not spending, that's because he has the best players that he believes in the world in those positions. So, you know, for me, I think uh, you have to be realistic about that and realise that to be successful at United, you have to not only... Uh, be have have an exceptional team, but you maybe in some ways have to be better than the manager at City because you have to get players to play to a higher level that may not be of the certain level of City, um, uh, or have the ability to replace them and as quick as you would United. Um, but anyway, um, 
just uh, we'll talk about Granada, mate, and then we'll 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 get into some questions and stuff for our listeners. Granada, no buy out, uh, not back in time in the UK. Rashford's a doubt. If he's a doubt, be interesting. I think Solskjaer was quite interesting. Callum in his comments saying, "I need to pick a team to win this game." He has to be careful because if he pickings picks a weekend team, he needs to go out. Right? Could happen. Right? You know, you pick an inexperienced team, they go behind early, pff, nerves hit. You know, it's different. Um, that uh, it's going to be interesting to see what team he picks. Uh, two and ZB's going to start. No Maguire, no Shaw, McTominay, De Gea will start. What's your what's your take on this game? I think he has to be careful, as you've said. I, I don't think he can afford to make wholesale changes. I think, as, as Sir Alex famously said years ago. Um, in certain games, you just play your strongest team. You get a level of comfort in the game, maybe say two, one or two goals up, and then you maybe take off your Bruno or whoever it may be. And I think that's the approach he will have to take because of how crucial a trophy is to him and for the club. I mean, you're right. If if he made wholesale changes, as, as some people are suggesting, and they do go a goal behind and they do go out, he will be pilloried from, from pillar to post, from fans, from the press, from... From, from every single person and, and probably rightly so for, for throwing away such a convincing uh, advantage obviously uh, in this game the one thing that I would say um, is Granada need to come to Old Trafford and score three goals regardless if they score two it goes to extra time nobody wants that totally mm-hmm. totally agree given the stage of the season but I think it, I think it's important I think you'll see Matic start the game yeah. I think you, you, you will see um, United potentially be a little pragmatic um, I, I don't think United will necessarily come out gung-ho um, in the game. I think they may start with with a more pragmatic approach. And to be honest with you, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be against it because Granada, as I've said, they need to come and score three goals. I think you can afford to, to, to protect things. Obviously, if you go out and kill the game in the first 15 minutes, that's great. But I think you can make two changes... Um, you're mentioning Rashford there being a doubt. I, I wouldn't play. I wouldn't start Rashford in this game. Uh, in my opinion, just my personal opinion, I, I don't either. think. I don't think this is a game where two goal advantage, a two goal cushion, that you start them in. I think you have them on the bench and come half time. If you're not quite happy or it's not quite convincing, you can maybe get 45 to 30 minutes out of them the second half. But I wouldn't be starting him in this game. I think this game. How many times have we said this? I suppose, though, mm-hmm. players like Donny van de Beek, big opportunity. Um, I think this is a game where he could start. I think it's the sort of game that if he does start, he has to deliver a more convincing performance in the whole. He's shown what with the little dummy he had in Milan and other things in the past that he's been capable of some really decent moments. But I'll be brutally honest and say that for all the plaudits that he gets in his native Netherlands from the likes of Van Basten and others who claim it's terrible that he doesn't get game time at United mm-hmm. to the to the level they think, I've not seen a 90-minute display from him yet where I've thought, he's the answer, he needs to come in. And I think sooner rather than later, even if it's Granada when you've got a two-goal cushion, he needs to deliver a performance that makes you think, wow, he, he, he deserves to retain his place because at the moment... I've seen a couple of flashes, but I've not seen anything that makes me go, I would hang my hat on him in the next game or the next three games. And until he can earn a consistent run of games, it's going to be very difficult for him at United. Same with any player. If you go to a top elite football club like Manchester United and you're in and you're out, it's going to be incredibly difficult to make an impact. But there's only so long 
Solskjaer can be be the person you blame or, or point the, the, the spotlight at. I think eventually he has to take the bull by the horns and when he's given an opportunity, shows all what you can do and and, 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 and I always think put yourself in the manager's plans because he simply can't leave you out. I mean, if he was to play this game, get a couple of assists, boss it, come the next game, then it would be very awkward if Solskjaer that was to leave him out potentially and I think that's the sort of performance he needs especially get into next season. I hope United stick with him, but he needs to give United something as well. He needs to give us a glimmer because if he doesn't, then I, I worry about it going into the summer and going into next season. All right, two questions for you before we go on. Um, who should you know, who should be in there as number one? I asked this question on Twitter, by the way, Callum. Um, we got almost 3,000 votes. You want to know what it came out as? <laughs> go on. Um, what take a guess? Who 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 do you think most United fans felt should be United's number one? I think Dean Henderson. Okay. Um by a lot or close? Closer than probably closer than I think. Okay, so out of close to three thousand votes, eighty three percent voted for Dean Henderson. Dean De Gea number one. Um one of the things that I liked about Dean Henderson, and I thought it was particularly apparent at the weekend, was how well he came off his line and played almost as a sweeper. Right? And I saw him high, saw balls over the top of Henderson intercepting him, um, something we've criticised De Gea for. Uh, I thought he did well with his feet, pulled off a couple of big saves at the weekend. Um, and uh, I really... People are saying he hasn't shown a tremendous amount of quality in it where you're convinced, but he hasn't done anything seriously wrong for me either. I think I can count one mistake. So for me, good keeper that's grown into the position. And we talked about, you just mentioned there about Van der Beek. You know, Henderson's shown improvement with games, no question. Um, goalkeeping midfield's different. Uh, I also totally accept that a club like Manchester United, you must take your chances when you get them. They don't come perfectly if, when, you, when you get them. Not everyone, you've got to be ready. You have to be 100% ready after everything you it takes if you desperately want to be successful. If you're committed to being successful, you have to take those chances when you get them. Um, and it, it's the same, same play to Jesse Lingard. And oh, no, I just wonder if I'm the looking at Lingard going, hmm. But anyway, um, <clears throat> one other question. Would you like to see James Garner be integrated into United's first team next season or would you like to send him out on loan? Uh, almost 4,000 votes in that, 3,500, just over 3,607. Um, what do you think? I think that vote went. I think the majority, I'm maybe talking about a 60-40 split, maybe we could be wrong. I think he needs another year out and loan personally and I hope that's what people went with, but I could be wrong. You minimise that, uh, those, those dirty websites and checked out my, my Twitter, I bet you did. <laughs> uh, 68% says you'd be loaned out again, 32%, you know, it's first time. I would agree, I think another year would do him all the world of good, consistently playing at that level to feel confident, to grow physically, um, <clears throat> growing confidence and to make sure um, you're 100% ready because the worst thing that can happen to Jimmy Garner is to come back to United and play 10 games next season Right? he has to come back to United where United look at him and go okay he's ready to be a serious player for this football club where he's a legitimate option for us so uh, that's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I would definitely want to see him another year in the Championship with Forrest because I think it's a perfect football club for him to be at under Chris Hutton um, and and develop there. So we shall see. By the way, just in case you didn't know, Callum, um, very, very important um, football journalism. Man United would not be in the top half of the Premier League if games finished at half-time. 
Um, didn't they also do an article on how many of the games, how many games that wouldn't wouldn't have won if there wasn't penalties and VAR and all this? Apparently, the, if 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 the earth, if the earth wasn't a perfect distance from the sun, none of us would be here, and then and this mean that it wouldn't win any games. And have you ever heard such bollocks in all your life? So, um, anywho, let me get to some of our questions, mate. Uh, we'll start with this one from Louis Lambert, fantastic guy. And good luck to your uh, family member, Louis, um, who has cancer, uh, Kieran, uh, his brother. So, given the fact we aren't going to sign Holland or Kane, do you think Greenwood could potentially be that number nine? Uh, and would it be most likely a realistic option for the club at this point? What's your take on that, man? It's a good question. It's a very good question. Um, I don't think Greenwood will become United's number nine for next season. I think it's maybe I think it's a wee bit too soon. Um, in, in all honesty, he is the best finisher at the club, I think. But I still think it's important United get another more experienced out and out nine. And he's right, United realistically probably they won't sign Kane and or, or Haaland, well, most likely anyway. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see who United could possibly get. He wouldn't be the worst option in the world uh, by any stretch of the imagination if you couldn't sign anyone. But just like we had in the, the Cavani discussion earlier, I still think you need someone with a little more savvy at this stage in their career to lead United over the course of a season. I could be wrong, but that's just my personal view. Completely agree. And can we bring up a couple of points there that I mentioned before? First of all, let's just missing Greenwood. One of the best talents in world football for his age, easily. Best finisher at the football club. He's got experience playing for Manchester United, experience playing in the Premier League. But as you just said, which is really, really important, he's a bit young to be given that central striking role and for United fans and the football club to rely on his goals week in, week out. To um, you know, Because that, that, that's a key position, right? So that position carries a lot of pressure. You need experience in that position, in my opinion. It's a lot to turn around to someone like Mason Greenwood and say... You carry this football club down the middle. Um, and it's exactly the same reason why I also said you cannot replace Cavani with another 19-year-old prospect for the same reason you can't put Mason Greenwood in there. So if Cavani leaves, um, which is a possibility, and Andy Mitten wrote about an exceptional piece on this in the, in the yesterday, which that's most likely the outcome, that leaving it needing a quality central striker. There's not the money for a quality central striker and a quality centre-back, so we'll have to prioritise. Um... Like, obviously, player sales will impact this, but again, I have my concerns about United funding business off the back of player sales, which will probably be dragged out, um, and I just don't like that. But um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. And if it's not a Holland or a Kane, which I don't believe it will, because they're not going to spend that type of money, then who will? Who is it? Where do you find an available number nine that's available that's genuine top class, Cavani class, right? Uh, I, I, I don't know. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. The only thing I can think of, and just thinking on my feet here, so please accept that, um, is if Sancho is available at a realistic price, I know there's, there's talks around, around the £80 million mark, the, the argument for Greenwood could be mm-hmm. um, you sign someone like a Sancho and then you can afford to move Greenwood uh, through the centre because you've got the quality of Rashford in one, one wide area and uh, Sancho on the other. Maybe that could become an option for United. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. the, the best of a bad situation. I don't know. It's just me thinking on my feet. Be interesting to see what happens. Another great question here, actually, by Ryan, RDJM12. If Lingard helps West Ham get into the top four and qualify for the Champions League, should United demand more money for him? And great list as always, mate. Thanks for listening, Ryan. Uh, really, really good question, that. 
I think Lingard's prices will depend, mate, just sorry, uh, on two things. It'll depend on, one, uh, how he continues for the rest of the season, and two, uh, what clubs are in for him. If, you, if there's a number of clubs are in for him, then United will be in a wonderful position to to get more money, more, possibly more than 35, 40 million. Um, if United secure 35, 40 million for Jesse Lingard, I think that's a good price. What do you, what's, your t- what's your answer to that, mate? I think if uh, Lingard helps them seal Champions League football, I think the desire for them to keep him will be even str- it'll be strong anyway. But I think if they get into the Champions League and he's been their talisman, which he has been so far, I think the, dem- the, the demand will be such that United maybe could chuck an extra five or ten million on to any price. But realistically, I think regardless of where West Ham finish, I think you're going to see about thirty-five or forty million being the price. And, and and the only way I think it might go up, and there's a possibility of this. There could be interest from, say, four or five different clubs. And mm-hmm. see if there is, United need to encourage that bidding war because how many times in the past have United fell victim to a bidding war? So if that happens, then <laughs> happy days. And I hope if United can sell with nice intelligence uh, uh, and aptitude, then they should be able to buy on the same, with the same skills. Um, so I want to see United do that well. And, and it's going to be really, really telling, I think, how United sell those players for how much and all that. Um, I think the United recruitment staff are once again under the microscope. Uh, a quick, quick a question from Mr. Paul Carson. Paul's a good listener to the show. I appreciate this. Uh, second half against Spurs was excellent. If Oli, uh, Murda, etc. gets targets in early this summer the preseason to work with them, what will be our dominant style of play this season? So hard to tell. Um, deadline transfers, no private COVID, no... Uh, uh, what I mean is it's hard to tell how Ollie wants them to play transfer um, so what do you think of United's uh, style of play next season I think a lot of people in the past have talked about United playing a real counter attacking style but I don't mm. think realistically long term that's what will cut it for United um, I think if business was to be done in a positive manner in a quick and sharp manner as Paul was suggesting then I think you would see United as a team play on the front foot Mm-hmm. You would see a strong centre of the park, and crucially, with the quality that United could have in the wide areas, I think you, basically you'd be trying to create as many overloads in those wide areas as you could. Because in Luke Shaw, you've got a fullback who um, is happy to overlap and has got the end product. Um, I think even if you don't get the big signings you mentioned earlier, Phil, I think for United to play the way Ollie wants them to, I think they still need competition at right back because mm-hmm. Wan Bissak is an exceptional defender, but I think. And I'm just, again, I don't think United will sign him. I'm just saying off the top of my head here. Someone like Kieran Trippier, someone that's got that end product, good from set pieces, um, would be a good sort of squad option to come in and challenge him. And in certain games, you could tinker it where you could create overloads in the right and have a real good set piece delivery from someone like a Trippier, who's just coming to my mind as being someone that would fit that mould, um, to allow Cavani, if he's still here next season, with his clever movement to get into positions where he's stepping onto balls and finishing them in the box. Same, similar with Greenwood. One of the things I was asked last week um, by someone else was about uh, Greenwood getting the ball too deep. I think for me, Greenwood was at his best last year when he was getting the ball and picking it up on the edge of the box. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important that United become a team that can dominate the ball 
uh, but dominate the ball going forward. I don't, I don't think they'll be a possession-based team like Man City where they'll just play it along the back four and, and patiently build up. I think they'll be a team that tried to dominate games in the middle of the park, create overloads out wide, which could lead to the likes of Greenwood and Rashford picking those uh, and balls up in the, the edge of the opposition box and getting shots off. And if they can do that, then they'll be a formidable side to watch. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, I think when I see how United's dominant style of play will be, I think if you look at Solskjaer, Solskjaer's been constantly solving problems that have made him one-dimensional. When United were solely a counter-attacking team, first 10, 12 games, they got away with that. Then once teams started to figure them out, then it became difficult. Even if you look back at the start of last season, um, United counter-attacking team, once again teams figured them out, where you know, they had no other option because he didn't have the individual creative quality in the centre of midfield to open teams up when they dominate possession. Then you know, they went in this terrible run of results. Solskjaer brings in Bruno Fernandes, where all of a sudden they can now be a team in possession that creates when teams sit in deep against them because they don't have individual quality. Um, so they start becoming solely one-dimensional. Then you need to go on this run of games where they now start winning games because now there's some tactical diversity. So to me, I think the dominant style of play will be United imposing themselves on games. United being the team that sets the identity and the rhythm of the game so that other teams have to adapt. We're starting to see this. We saw this the last couple of games where teams are coming in trying to disrupt United's rhythm by being dirty and ugly, if you want to call it that. Um, so I think you'll see a, a, a team dominating possession going forward, using with creative players um, and with the ability to play in a counter-attack if they need to. But I think you know, his dominant style will be one that we're used to seeing at United attacking on the front foot. See, that's one of the things I like about Solskjaer, mate, is that whenever I was seeing this under Mourinho, I never felt like it was a work on the progress where United were grinding out games. I felt this is exactly what Mourinho wants. Whereas with Solskjaer, I feel like, I'm pleased, really happy with the wins, but I I can see that Solskjaer is moving towards uh, this is not how he wants you to play week in, week out. Um, so I feel like, okay, I'm confident we're, we're in a process going forward and I I have got enough, seen enough this year to continue with that process and have confidence in it. Um, uh, as Ian Bell says, what's the likelihood Pogba and Cavani staying United? Cavani, we've already covered. Pogba, what do you think, mate? I think with Pogba, the one thing you've got to be, you've got to be hoping for, and this is just again my fans' opinion. I don't have insight in terms of what's going on there. Um, I just think United need to win the Europa League, finish within ten points of City, and you can sit down with him in the summer if you're all in. Say, Paul, you've been exceptional for us as a team. We have definitely improved from when you first arrived at the club. You're playing alongside Bruno Fernandes. You're playing with Marcus. You're playing with Edison. You've got a really good relationship with them. Sign a new deal now and and we'll bring in one or two quality additions and we can build and then, fingers crossed, I could be been very naive with this, fingers crossed with the United going in the right direction. He surely would want to stay. However, the caveat to that, <clears throat> United don't win the Europa League. They have a couple of dodgy results. They're 15 points behind City. Then I think it's inevitable that he'll say, look, I've run my course here. I think it's all dependent on, again, just my view, I think it's dependent on how United finish the season. Because if they finish the season in a strong manner, then I think he could be convinced that this is the best chance he's got at playing in a really successful United team. And I think he needs to feel that if he's to put pen to paper. Again, just my personal view. Well, and there's also the added factor is, is he really in a better position going to Juventus? Juventus are not going to win the league this year, right? They're going through transition, if you want to call it that. Pirlo will probably be sacked. Um, Ronaldo will leave, right? Inter Milan are, are going to win the league this year. 
So is Pogba swapping like for like? You know, is he's not going to win the European Cup next season with Juventus, in my opinion. And he probably is just as close to winning it with United next season. So for me, the question really is, is Pogba in a better position than what he was? See, it all depends on the reasons for the move. If it's because he doesn't feel this United team are going to invest sufficiently to be to win trophies that he wants to win, then okay, you can't fault him for that, right? So, well, it all depends on the reasons. And the, I, I, I would say that at the moment, Juventus is a lateral move. Um, so, uh, Cavani, we've already talked about it. I would say the, the, the potential for Pogba to, to stay increases, like you said, with United's form, right? And and uh, with their ambition. So we'll see. Uh, if United, let's say Pogba's still here, by the end of the summer, you know, have had a, a meagre summer in the transfer market, um, and and it's a repeat of last season. Next season, then there's no Pogba uh, would would leave at the end of his contract, in my opinion. But who knows? If they don't, if they do invest properly, it's encouraging. There's exciting signings. They start well. Maybe he stays. I, I, but I, I I'd say the probability that he stays is greatly increased on what it was two or three months ago. But still, the most likeliest outcome is he will leave. Um, so wanna also cheeky ball boys has run in saying, do you guys think health and press <coughs> Heath and press will stay longer if not? Um, t- sorry, man, I'm gonna go back to that. Did, I want to make an important point on this. <clears throat> we don't cover uh, United's women's pod- or, uh, footballers podcast because I want to be respectful to them. <clears throat> Bottom line is, I don't want to be so condescending to assume that anything I have to say on my United women is relevant. Um, there's people out there that cover United women so wonderfully well and um, if at some point in the future I can find the time in my life to watch it properly so that I can give it the respect it deserves to comment on it then I would be well placed to answer these questions but unfortunately I just don't and it's really just a question about time management the fact I just don't get the time to, to watch more than one or two games a week now um, uh, and so uh, I'll, I'll have to skip on that one. Uh, just, just on, sorry, just on that one very, very, very quickly. Um, I think with with United women, there's been clearly investment in there. In Casey Stoney, they've got mm-hmm. a coach who is highly respected, and I think those players, in, in terms of Heath, um, will, will potentially uh, want to stay at the club. But I agree with you, Phil. I, I, I watch and pick up results rather than watch full games just because of a time management thing. I normally try and take four live games in uh, per weekend. One of those normally involves Celtic up here mm-hmm. and the others are United and others in the Premier League. So I don't have the time to comment on, on what they could do. One player I think is a fabulous player and I'm going to give you some Scottish bias is Erin Cuthbert who's at Chelsea. She's 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 a phenomenal player for the Scotland national team. She's a phenomenal player for Chelsea. Whether you would get her out of Chelsea... Probably not, but but she's someone who I think would be very good alongside Jane Ross and that United team. Uh, well done, mate. We we'll talked about a tweet here from Memo One 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 Three. So, what which striker is United's main targets if Cavani leaves, and also who's the number one centre back target? Sancho and all that. Um, so this brings up another important point. Normally, when United approach the summer, there's at least one player that has been linked with United ad nauseum where you're like, this is going to be United summer pursuit. This summer, there isn't any of that. I mean, Sancho's being recycled for obvious reasons, but there really is no players out there that you're saying that are so heavily linked with United that it seems an almost inevitability that they're going to sign them, right? That's interesting because 
That also tells me that United are doing a much better job of controlling the information that comes out of the football club, right? There's still people that know, right? But um, I also think that it's partly because it's still not completely settled within United as to who those people are and everything else because I think there's still so many variables. So um, if Cavani leaves, I've said, I feel like don't be surprised if they go for Aguero. Um, but it really is a perplexing point because outside of Aguero, we, as we mentioned, who else are they go for? Who's available? Who's quality? Who could you get? You know, it's it's going to be really, really interesting to see what they do. Um, as far as number one centre back target, uh, I'll, I'll apply to the same uh, to the to, to, to the previous point in that um, when you look at that centre back season, we aren't even certain that it will sign a centre back because with possibly needing a striker, the question then becomes: Do you now settle for someone else? in centre-back that you weren't planning on um, if you didn't need a striker. They're not as good as your previous target, but they're young and potential to develop. That, or do you wait another year and sign a quality player? I, 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 that's going to be the position. I, I, I don't even think Dean have settled on that target yet. And Sancho, uh, Sancho only happens if uh, Dortmund significantly reduce the fee, and even then, I'm not 100% certain. I think just uh, one name that I've mentioned before, <clears throat> we've both agreed that I think he's a good player. I don't think he would necessarily improve United. Uh, I just sense that one of the clubs this season, whether it's City, whether it's United, whether it's Spurs, I suppose if Kane was to was to leave, I just sense Danny Ings is going to move this summer. Um, I'm not saying he's who United should Man, go United for. United cannot have Danny Ings as, a, as an option. But, it, it, he's a decent striker, but United cannot go down that road. That that's just an option. That's def- somebody's going to take that option this summer for the for the fee that they're offered. And I, I don't want United to take it, but I, I just he's heavily linked to Man City. Yeah, was, Somebody was... will take that option. If United go out and sign Danny Ings as Cavani's replacement, please, for the love of God, do not go on Twitter and criticise Solskjaer for not winning the league and have a brain. Right, decent strike and all that there, but mate, come on. Come right? on. I agree. I, I agree. That's not. Not. I mean, uh, if that's your backup plan, go with Mason Greenwood. <clears throat> um, how likely is it that we'll send Declan Rice? It's becoming increasingly unlikely with every week as West Ham win. If they qualify for the Champions League, not a prayer. Um, I'm sure Declan Rice would love to play in front of the West Ham fans next season in the Champions League. So we'll see it happening. So um, I, I have my serious doubts as to whether Declan Rice. In fact, I have my doubts that United will send any top young English prospects. Not easy to do, first of all given how much they're in demand. But um, I, given United are very price sensitive right now, I think they'll look abroad for that, given you can get them cheaper. Um, but uh, so I don't think Declan Rice comes to United this summer, no. No, I agree. I think you, you, if West Ham qualify for the Champions League, being a sort of West Ham boy as such, I, I think it'd be silly to leave because you'll always be remembered for that Champions League campaign. When Leicester were in the Champions League under Ranieri and then Craig Shakespeare, I think they got to the quarterfinals. I'm not saying West Ham would do the same, but if you're Rice and you're remembered for that sort of quarterfinal or last 16 run in the Champions League with the club that made you, you'll be remembered forever. Well, in, in, in the modern kind of eyes, I suppose, remembered forever for that sort of achievement. 
Folks, there's about 300 other questions here that I'll not get to. This week will be the start of my review show because this clamp had called Megan last weekend. The same, like, um, but anyway, <laughs> this will be the first week we record this preview show, questions and answers. And so we will get to those um, on the YouTube preview show this Friday. So apologies to those of you I didn't get to, but as you're sure you're probably relieved, um, this podcast is going to come to an end because uh, I'm sure you don't have endless hours in the day listening to my waffling. Um, mate, as always, thank you so much for uh, your contributions. For everybody else, thank you to each and every one of you who did uh, send us tweets. Like I said, we uh, with questions for those who didn't get read, we will get them out on that podcast on our YouTube platform. Thanks to all of you download, listen, and retweet the podcast and our other content. So very, very much appreciated. And just before I go, mate, I got a little email this morning from someone that made my day that is going to have a guest on this show before the end of the season and I can't wait uh, very very excited to have them on <coughs> and um, I can't announce it yet they won't let me but um, I was told they will definitely be on so I'm really looking forward to that um, one of the brilliant wonderful privileges of doing what we do anything do you have me before we go? Oh, just uh, thanks for everyone who's listening and sending in the questions it's always a pleasure and uh, just take care of yourselves because uh, the summer is approaching and the, the longer nights are approaching as well so stick in there we're on the right path folks thank, thank you so much take it easy much love to all of you especially mental health warriors out there um, we're all in this with you I'm always here if you need me folks just one quick 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 last point please 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 do not DM me and expect a prompt response. First of all, I've literally got hundreds of messages in there. Um, my days are absolutely slammed, busy, buried. I'm honestly I have sometimes I don't see my kids. Sometimes I only have time to eat. Um, so please do not take it personal. If it takes me a while to get back to you, it's just that there's I just don't have time. I will get there. I apologize if it's something serious. You need to get me get hold of me right away. Just message me again. I'll bounce back to that top and I'll eventually see it. Um, but if not with me I will get to you um, but thanks to each and every one of you for all the lovely comments messages you send this week in week out that means so much to me personally and I don't know what it does to my colleague here so um, all the best Callum see you later mate take care cheers folks bye